We all crave connection. At our core, we all want to feel loved and understood. Hi, I'm Nikhami, entrepreneur, founder, and CEO of my very own beauty brand, Carmela Cosmetics, and business consultant. This is We Are Women, Beauty Redefined, a podcast where women speak their truth and celebrate their victories. This podcast features different women whose names you probably recognize. You've seen them, been following them, and might even think that they've always had it together. Listen in to hear the women you know and love share their journeys with self-acceptance and self-love, discovering their unique beauty and confidence in a society that for so long has focused on exemplifying a specific beauty standard. It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of red and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night on We Are Women, Beauty Redefined. I have to tell you that tonight's podcast with Devorah Schwartz was so much fun, so real, and I'm so grateful that she shared so many personal things with me for you to get inspired from. Devorah is a mom, wife, and Orthodox Jewish singer and performer with thousands of fans and followers all around the world. During this episode, Devora spoke about her evolution and growth within her femininity and how she learned to love herself, her entire self, although she struggled with feeling different than the girls around her as a young teenager. Devora spoke about when she started loving herself for who she is and how she grants herself permission to feel comfortable in her own skin on the days that she does it. Devora also shared how she deals with the pressures of her public job of show business and her outlook on performers making mistakes and embarrassing themselves during live performances. Devora also spoke about how we grow through comfort and improve through practice, and how she grants herself permission to not be perfect, and the importance of acknowledging when you've accomplished something and being proud of yourself. I am so excited for you to hear this episode. I can't wait for you to see this other side of Devora learn a lot and be inspired. I think people that know me now would be a little surprised to know that young Devorah was very different than how people know her now. Um, people think like, I'm so girly and I love pink. And I was such a tomboy growing up. I always wore a best, uh, like a backward baseball cap. I had an older brother who um, is like less than a year older than me. And we were like literally twins. We did everything together. And all of, we lived in Kensington, Brooklyn. So there were not a lot of girls my age and he had a lot of friends. So whatever he and his friends did, I was one of them. So, and then all of a sudden I turned 12 and my mother was like, you can't play with boys anymore. It's not modest. And I was like, who am I going to play with? I didn't like, I played basketball. We went rollerblading. We went to the Brooklyn park and played handball against Whoever was in the neighborhood over there, no, you know, non-Jews, everyone, there was like all different people there. In order to get the court, you need to play them so and win. So, And I was not into the arts at all. Uh, my family, my mother sings and dances and plays piano. And like, I just thought it was very normal for your mother to always be playing and singing and dancing. Like, <laughs> Like that was normal, like to, you know, like on Shabbos afternoon to like get up and like do performances in front of your mother because you're bored, like, and then take turns. Like, so grew up in like a very performing oriented family without realizing it, you know, there's always multiple harmonies around the table whenever we sing. And yeah, never dreamed of becoming a singer or performing at all. Wasn't on the horizon. 
Yeah. I did gymnastics, you know, and then we had performances with gymnastics, um, but never singing. Yeah. It's so funny. I never would have guessed that you were more of a tomboy growing up. Like never. <laughs> I, it, I know it took me a while to grow into my femininity, you know? Um, I think like, like getting married and maybe even like high school, like once I started with makeup, I don't know. It just took me a while to like grow into it. So interesting. Cause looking at you now, you're such a no, I'm not woman. Right. I, it's, it's a funny expl like explanation. Like I wasn't unfeminine, like, like right. people who know me back then are be like, okay, you're misrepresenting yourself. Um, I would say like people would think of me more as like always glamorous. Like I was never glamorous. No. Right. <laughs> That's true. You like, are that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I looked good, but I was, yeah, I didn't know how to put myself together. I, I guess would be the right word. Like, you know, like people grow into themselves later. Like you could look at, now I feel like you look at 12 year olds and you're like, oh my gosh, I did not look like that when I was 12. Yes. Like that was like, right. We look at our, our pictures and we, get, we have like the weirdest frizziest hair and buck teeth and braces and like pimples. And like now 12 year olds look super glamorous, you know? So like, it took me a long time to look glamorous. That's so funny. <laughs> um yeah no one I don't I would never have guessed that because seeing you perform and I'm sure your followers also you know seeing you you're you're always so I don't know I'm trying to give another word than glamorous but it's true you're always so glamorous and your wig is done beautifully and the, the dresses that you wear um so it's so interesting you know hearing that from you um we, we have a lot to unpack here because I'd love to know how you got into singing and, and everything like that. But let's first start because you said um, that it took you a while to grow into your femininity. So let's, let's break that down. So first of all, when do you, would you say that you discover like the power of the female body, the female presence, your self-image in regards to that? I would say I like, I got developed pretty young and I was, I was always taller than everyone. And and I'm not super tall. I just became taller, like very young. And um, like, I had a lot of like very petite friends. And it, I was never proud of my body. Like it was something like I, like, I realized that I like started like hunching because like, I like, I didn't want to like show anything here, you know, like it took me a while to like pull my shoulders back and like be proud of of like when your body changes it's like uncomfortable it was for me very uncomfortable so um it took me a, I would like elementary school for sure not I would say maybe like high school probably yeah, yeah. and what was the process like for you Um, I think going to gymnastics helped because um, like you get, you get proud of what your body could accomplish, I guess, as you do your handstands and like you become proud of being strong and uh, look what I could do, you know, with my body. So you become more body confident. Um, and then you see other people that are so body confident and you're like, oh, you know, I could also be like that. So yeah, I would say that really played an important role. And I would, I, I very much like 
taking gymnastics and dance class was a very big part of, I would say, like my self-confidence journey. And I really believe and I see so many parents of this generation really uh, focus on giving their kids and developing their talents. And uh, I know kids that struggle with their weight. A lot of their moms want to put them in dance class, want to, you know, specifically emphasize putting them in gymnastics to like make them be, be proud of their shape and their size and you know and I've seen it really help people not that I struggled with my weight um, I was just like very muscular and not petite and and I didn't feel feminine like uh, I, I thought like being feminine was being very petite and very cute and like tiny and like I am so broad and tall and like like you know it took me it took me a while (laughs) (laughs) right you know what my mom also she always you know we wore suits back then do you I don't know it's like (laughs) right (laughs) like like we wore suits we didn't wear like now everyone's wearing these pretty dresses like like when you wanted to dress up you wore a suit like uh, in high school we all wore suits Uh, yeah even now jackets are coming back in right I know so yeah so like my mother would always tell me like, oh, you look so much better in a suit with structured or like if I would wear a, like a t-shirt, my mother's like, uh, you know, your, your arm is like looking, you know, fat in it. Like it doesn't look good on you, you know, like she would always put me in like more structured outfits and I always looked good, but I always had this, like, I wasn't confident about how broad I was, you know? Right. Also, I'm sure, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but probably the norm, like most of your friends are probably smaller. So based on who you're surrounded with, you're going to feel, yeah. 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 So interesting. Oh, and, and I had a sister a year younger than me that was always a size two and perfectly proportioned, like uh, really perfectly proportioned, um, size too, like, uh, like a really nice hourglass, uh, very, you know, normal to small shoulders. So like, um, it's funny, because she feels like she grew up in my shadow. But you know, from a body confident way, it was always flipped. So yeah, these are the deep, dark secrets of my child. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, by the way, because like, how, <laughs> how we all think, like, I'm sure if you went and asked your friends now, like, what do they think of you when you were you know, during that development stage, they, they were all intimidated of me, <laughs> not my close friends, but so many people growing up were intimidated of me and I never got it. See, it's so funny. It's, it's, it's our own perceptions of ourselves, you know, like you could have, I mean, obviously it was meant to be and whatever, and we all go through this, but, um, could you imagine if you would have had a different mindset, like the same way other people looked at you, you would have thought of yourself as that it would have changed the way that you you know your confidence so it's so interesting totally totally totally, yeah so you went to gymnastics and you became like proud of your body because you saw what it could do is that so and so what what else was part of your journey to help you you know feel that self-confidence it never came up that I had body issues I I didn't realize the issues that I've had until I got married and my husband is like very healthy in terms of like eating and like he doesn't notice what I'm eating and I came from a family that like it was such a strong diet culture and like every time I take something in the pantry it's like oh what are you eating and like everyone noticed always what I was eating and I was always trying to be careful and trying to diet 
Like that was, and I did, I thought that was normal. Um, and my parents also, also very health conscious. They also were always dieting. So I thought that was very normal. And then, um, getting married and have somebody who loved me for who I am and the exact shape that I am and couldn't care less what I ate, didn't notice. He's like a little academic and he's more into like, you know, thinking and talking like he doesn't notice what I'm eating. He'll like, if I give him food, like he loves good food, but he doesn't care, you know? Um, like he doesn't know the first thing about dieting. I have to tell him when what approach, you know, now he's more educated and he likes salads more because that's what, what I eat a lot of. And what I, I make really good salads. He'll eat the fattening ones. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, that is when I truly changed and started really loving myself for who I am after I got married. Wow. It's yeah. amazing how other people could influence the way we feel about ourselves. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Um, okay. So let's, by the way, thank you for sharing that. That was, I'm sure a lot of people are going to feel very inspired by that because you know what? It's so funny. I mean, the more I, I speak with different women on the podcast and in, and in person in real life, you know, I find that everyone has struggled with something regarding the way that they look, because we tend to compare ourselves to others. And, um, there's a growing up when we're in that, you know, vulnerable stage being a teenager and, you know, everything, especially even pre-teenage years, you know, um, like when you were talking about like what you were referring to, but um, it's interesting how, how everybody really has something. No one feels amazing about themselves all the time and in every way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even, even when you feel like you got, got your fun, like I have to put myself together at a very high level, many, many times a month. So it's like, when you have to get yourself wedding ready for your own wedding or for a sister's wedding or for a brother's wedding, there's a limit to how many times that happens in a person's lifetime, right? And you, or when you're making a bar mitzvah or like, you know, your, you know, siblings getting married, it happens a certain, a finite amount of times. And you stress about, you know, everyone's talking about, it's like normal to lose weight for your gown and to get the perfect gown and to, to figure out the perfect hairstyle. I have to do that many, many times at a very high level. And and the amount of people that look at you are more than you'll ever have at one of these family weddings, right? Yeah. So it's it's very high stress and it takes a whole team and something you just have to get used to. But even when you finally get your whole look together, there's still something you're not confident about or like, I don't know, did my makeup come out? Do I, is my dress fitting? And there's always, even at a, the highest level, there's always an ounce of unconfidence somewhere. No one's ever 100% thousand percent confident so basically i'm agreeing with you <laughs> <laughs> right. and you brought up something else which you know is very interesting that you're performing so you're the center of attention how do you deal with that because that could really you know that that could put a lot of pressure on any of you i'm sure it does so how do you deal with that pressure it's a very high pressure job um i always say that the people that make it are not the most talented people in the world. I'm not trying to say negative about anything else. I'm saying like about myself, there's so many people that have equal amounts of talent to me, if not more in the world that are not where I am. I mean, if you think about in, in the non-Jewish world and you think about the voice, you know, the show, the voice, yeah, like yeah, yeah. how many people are on there that sound amazing. Oh my gosh. And do you hear about them? Like when, if they're not the, even the winner or the second winner, like, do you hear about them right. where they are? So there's so many 
thousands and thousands of people that are talented. Every, first of all, everybody loves singing. Like there's no, there's no person that doesn't like singing. Maybe they're not confident about it, but when no one's listening, they're singing in their car, they're singing in their shower. Everybody yeah. loves singing. And it's the type of thing where like, you don't really know how you sound because you sound different in your head than how when you hear yourself back, right? I know you know that from a podcast without singing, yes. like, <laughs> right? Or anyone who's an Instagrammer is used to how they sound or like, I know some people that when they like voice note, they're like, oh, I can't stand how I sound. I'm like, uh, okay, you know, but like, <laughs> yes. like, or like, we're so used to how we look when we, when we record ourselves and, and people that don't, they look at them, the, like I have a friend who, I know I went off on a tangent, but I'll get back to it. I have a friend who um, doesn't, doesn't do Instagram. She's just a consumer. She's not a, um, a blog or anything. And like, when we'll take a picture, she'll like go into like a certain angle and then she'll, I need to look at it. And then like, no, 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 I hate how I look. I'm like, thinking in my head, like, that is how you look from that angle. You know, <laughs> like, you're obviously not aware of how you look from every angle. I am. Right, same. Yes. I'm yes. familiar. So that picture is a true picture of me. And that picture is also a true picture of me. And like, you know, so first of all, people that are singers know how their voice sound. They know how to produce their voice. That's why you, you need a voice teacher in order to become a singer because you don't really know how your voice sounds. But the point where I was going is that there's so many people that sing that want to sing. What makes or breaks it is not necessarily the talent. Like obviously the talent has to be there. Uh, it has to be a package of how you look, how you present yourself, your personality. But a very big part of it is the pressure. And uh, some people try it and they can't do it. And they're like, they, they're just too nervous and they can't work through it. Or they mess up and they're like so embarrassed about that mess up that's in public and they never want to show their face again because they're just too embarrassed. And the people that end up making it are the people that work through those feelings. You know, you showed up on that stage, you got embarrassed and made a fool of yourself in front of so many people and you try again the next time. You learn from your mistakes and you get back up there and you do it again. And um, very fortunate to have trained with Rhonda Malkin. She's a famous trainer in New York City who trains raquettes. Anyone who wants to become any sort of professional dancer, whether it's in any basketball team or on Broadway or in any dance company, goes through her. She has all different workshops for elite dancers. And she has personally been on my team for many years. And she shares with me her different wisdom, but part of what she encourages her dancers is you go up there, you make a mistake. It's going to happen. Not that it's not that you're going to be perfect. You will always make a mistake. You go back, you go off stage, you figure out what the mistakes you made were and you go back the next day and you try again. And that's what, that's what showbiz is all about. And if you don't have that and you can't work through that, I don't see a way for you to be successful. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's really powerful. Yeah. I mean, to me, it sounds like a lot of it's res resilience. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, that's, you just have to move forward. It, it's about what you want to happen. And if you're going to give up your dream because of a mistake here and there, that's, you know, it's not going to work. Have you ever really embarrassed yourself on stage? Yeah. <laughs> Do you see how quick I answered that? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Should I tell you what happened recently? Yeah. Uh, I was doing a, I guess people who watched it might figure it out, but it's fine. I'll just go with it. 
One thing I learned is if you make a mistake, you never acknowledge the mistake that you made to the public. You make believe it was normal, unless like you can make a joke out of it and it makes sense and like just be human. But like, if don't be like serious and be like, oh my gosh, I made a mistake. I'm starting over. Like, don't ever do that. Just go with it. That's something that I learned. So I was just on this big um, live stream is the word I was looking for. And there were over 20,000 people watching it live. And it was a big show with musicians and um, my very first song, I get on stage and music is starting and my mind goes blank. This just happened to me. I've been performing for many years. I know this song in my sleep. And I was like, so not nervous the whole day. I was just chilling through. My manager was there. She's like, Devorah, I've never seen you so calm before a show. I'm like, I got this. I loved my dress. I had an amazing rehearsal. I am not nervous. I get on that stage. There is no lyrics in my brain. And the music is starting. And my mind is blank. And word recall has gone. Has It's gone. It's it doesn't oh exist. And I have like this panic in me and on the outside I'm just smiling I like look down I close my eyes and I just started humming the tune and I had this moment of like okay I'm just gonna walk off stage and I'm gonna tell them what are the words and we're just gonna restart oh no no I can't do that it's live stream right we, we're not gonna edit this okay so I just went with it one line a second line a third line and there's no words in my brain and then I started remembering the words and it's a very emotional song. So I just went with like, I'm, I'm just so emotional. I, I can't even sing because I'm overcome with emotion. <laughs> and then the words I finally remembered on the fourth line was like, and um, this is what I cry about in Hebrew. So I said it with such a kvetch and such a sob that <laughs> most people, including my manager, were completely tricked and they just thought I had an emotional moment. My husband who was watching He's like, what happened over there? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so funny. And the relief. If I tell you the relief of the words coming back, you know, these things happen. We're human. Is there a way that I could plan for that? I guess maybe on the teleprompter, I could have like the beginning of the words, but like, there was no way for me to even signal to someone. It was live stream with so many cameras around me, you know, but um, right. it's scary a scary thing but just got to go with it yeah it's so interesting that you mentioned about you know just like moving on and pretending it was all supposed to happen that way because I was just at a performance there was a singer and she was singing original songs and no one would have known anything right so she starts playing a tune and then she's like oh sorry that's the wrong that's the wrong song exactly <laughs> do not do that no right and i was thinking none of us would have known like no one no, exactly. <laughs> um exactly. but yeah yeah no it's 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 crazy wow yeah i love that okay it's a muscle performing is a muscle that gets stronger and you learn how to think quick. That's really what it's about. You have to be able to forgive yourself for not looking good at every angle, for not necessarily singing on pitch all the time, for not sounding your best every single note that's live. Like you just have to for keep forgiving yourself and owning, it's a lot of pep talks. Like when you, like you don't expect someone who's training for the Olympics to 
by themselves be able to do that. Like you see their serious concentrating face when they're in gymnastics and they're like about to like, like, and you know, all these pep talks are going through their head of like, how are they dealing with so much pressure? You need a whole team of people around you that remind you why you're here, what you're doing, what you're doing, how to get calm in the moment, how to breathe through it, you know, how to know what your strengths are and own them, you know? So it's, it's a hard job. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. I think, you know, any job being in the public eye is, is going to have its major challenges because everyone's looking at you. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. It's so funny, by the way, totally off topic, but what you mentioned about listening to your own voice, when I first started this podcast, I was cringing as I listened to when I had to edit it. I, I was like, oh my God, this is so uncomfortable. <laughs> it was it's such a, such a common thing. It is such a common thing. Yeah. And then also Instagram, but you know, what's interesting about Instagram and I would love to hear if you feel the same way when you start videoing yourself and playing, playing back, right. And seeing how you talk, see, listening to the way that you listening and seeing the way that you talk, right. It's about your, um, your facial expressions and everything, your energy, has it helped train you like for real life to be more aware of how you're talking? You know what I'm saying? Because you see yourself right in front of you. Um, I would just say that it has trained me for like all the pictures that I take with fans of like, I know my angle and I know how to smile. Like, I feel like in the olden days, we all went like this, right? <laughs> for like smiles, like, you know, versus like now we're like, we tilt our chin and we, we smile and we like know our angles. But in terms of talking, I, I train my voice and I'm a voice trainer. I train, right. you know, so because I've trained my voice for so many years, I think that that's what trained my voice versus like looking at myself. But I think it's a very normal thing to feel very vulnerable when you first start anything, especially watching yourself or hearing yourself. It's a very vulnerable thing. But like once you make it and once your Instagram account grows, once your podcast numbers go up, then yeah. like you start feeling comfortable with like, what do you mean I belong here? You know, this oh, is sure. normal for me like to just show up here because I belong here, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. It's so funny. Cause looking back, I used to get so nervous when I would talk on Instagram and then now I just, and I used to watch it multiple times and then delete it and then like redo it. Redo, redo. I know. I know. So many takes. Yeah. Yes. And now I'm just like, whatever, exactly. <laughs> moving on. No one cares. Exactly. Um, but how do you deal with the idea of comparison? So I would say that's a very normal thing to keep comparing yourself to other singers. Um, the same way that any business compares themselves to all the people around you. Within your business, you want to know based on how much everyone, like your product, how much am I charging compared to you you need to know the market and then be able to first of all give a product that is unique right why and how to get market share and uh, how to price yourself accordingly and at the end of the day you have to be proud of your product and really believe in it in order to sell it so it comes down to business uh, with a very big dose on emotion interfering with everything. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> like technically it should all be very logical, but emotionally uh, it's hard when you're about to buy a song and from a composer, this really happened to me and I've uh, been pushing it off for a few months. So they didn't have the money. And then I finally want to buy it. And 20 minutes before another singer bought it and then comes out with the most spectacular music video um, and they sound gorgeous and, and it's like, it's just hard not to feel jealous. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And you really have to believe that, that, yeah. um, reminding you know, yourself of that. Yeah. 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 It's it, it, these situations come up that are hard, but, uh, at the end of the day, you just got to believe in your product. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. How do you grant yourself permission to feel comfortable in your own skin and the days that you don't? Okay, so it comes with the territory of being a performer that you have to feel comfortable with your own in, in your own skin. And if you don't, the audience knows right away. They know right away. Um, and usually you could tell between a seasoned performer and a non-seasoned performer just how you relaxed you are on stage and how okay you are just like, chilling i just saw a video of like literally this like older lady like scratching her toes like sitting on the floor like just like scratching her toes as she's performing and like everyone's like laughing and sending it around like but like she's so she's such a pro and she like so doesn't care what anyone thinks and everyone just loves her for her music that it's just it's funny not that i'm ever gonna do that <laughs> <laughs> but um and it was barefoot so yeah Oh my God. <laughs> You're much more sophisticated than that. <laughs> but um, I, I see that I, I am growing into myself more and more over the years. Um, I'm much more comfortable just sharing things. And I become aware of, you know, from different things when I overshare, if I'm not sharing enough, you know, I like, I do watch myself back and, and take notes or even like in the moment, you know, you trial and error you see how the audience responds to you and then you know you sort of know uh I guess if you see enough people receiving you well when you act yourself then it gives you permission to continue doing that and um on days that I don't like if I'm too nervous or if the audience is just not um I've had that. I've had like, let's say, entertaining at a really small bat mitzvah and there were only like 15 people there. And I was supposed to make this whole concert dance, you know, situation and there's 15 people total or you're performing in front of someone who's sick and there's not an audience there. It's just her and her family, you know. Sometimes you just got to go within yourself and close your eyes or start connecting to the words and to the meaning and just perform for yourself almost like obviously performing for them, but you're not using the audience as your inspiration. You more have to like focus inward and get inspiration from within. Uh, but many times we're not in the position of like, Oh, I didn't have a good day and I have to show up for a whole crowd. Um, or, um, you know, you go on stage, you didn't give your best performance. It's a lot of giving yourself permission to not be perfect and when you do a good job then you acknowledge it I actually did a 
a show this past December and it was, um, we had a party afterwards and the company was invited and fans were invited from Instagram. And we had like this big screen off showing the show and there was food and everyone was dancing. And I was a star of the show and it was just showing the whole time and I'm sitting there and I'm like watching it and talking. And like more than two people came over and like, oh, you don't find it weird to like watch yourself? I'm like, I did such a good job. I can watch this. <laughs> like I knew when I did a good job, like I'm proud of that. Like you have to, if you're going to own all your bad moments, you have to own your good moments too, you know? hundred so, percent. And by the yeah. way, that's, that's gold because whoever's listening, no matter what you do, own your good moments. Yeah. That should be like a poster, like a quote, you know, like oh, you're going because it's true. We were so hard on ourselves for our bad moments or moments that we didn't perform. And I don't mean perform like you, I'm saying just perform in general, the way that we, that we had hoped for. Um, but if we're going to do that, then also, but it's really important to own your good moments as well and celebrate every accomplishment, every small goal, every small challenge that you overcome. Um, because we, we don't do that enough, you know? Yeah, we're naturally, I mean, at least I am, you know, much very hard on myself. It's like, I think anybody that has an online anything, if you get, you know, 100 compliments, and you get two really bad insults, somehow the insults are what stick to you. And like, 100 compliments can go in and out of one ear. And you're like, I can't believe somebody said that, you know, um, I think naturally that's where people gravitate to and being hard on themselves versus like, you know, owning and, you know, but I could just be talking for, to my, for myself, but. <laughs> no, I think you're, I, I, I mean, I could definitely relate and I'm sure others can as well. They always say that the feeling that you have about something, millions of other people feel the same way as you do. You know, it's a thing. So usually you're not the only one who feels a certain way. Right. Um, by the way, totally let's backtrack for a minute because I'm sure our listeners are curious to know, how did you get into singing? Because you said that into, well, singing as a career, because um, mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier that that was not the plan and I totally forgot to ask you. <laughs> yeah, it's a wild story. Um, I'll, I'll try to say in like a, a short, very short version, I was um, adamant on becoming a doctor or a surgeon from when I was in ninth grade um I used to like I was mentioned I was a tomboy so I, I got hurt a lot I like broke my tailbone snowboarding and I was like always in some sort of cast or other um and I like I just really wanted to be a doctor and help people in that capacity um and I was on a pre-med track I I majored in chemistry and, and then I was like I was studying for my MCATs. I was like totally going to be a doctor. I got married, had a baby and had a really bad C-section and spent a lot of time recovering. And was like, okay, I need a, I, I had like a midlife crisis. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't think I could be a mom and be a doctor. And like, you know what? I'm going to reroute. And I got my MBA. I was like, I'm going to do something with business. Um, and then I sort of opened up this a school of arts on the side. I had like uh 200 girls first in Muncie and then in Lakewood I, I did it for like on the side trying to like figure out what I was doing with my life I always had this Sunday school on the side for like nine years it was oh. a very long time yeah uh and we had a performance like I never gave up this like uh 
it started off, I was the dance director and then I took it over and turned it into a franchise, whatever. But it started because I, I came in from a day, I have a very big dance background. So um, once I had drama and I had dance, I had voice, I like, I wanted to do more research into the voice department. So I hired, um, I trained by a very famous voice teacher. His name is Steven Schnurman. And he, uh, I found him online. I basically looked at his students. It was like a really good way, by the way, to find anyone, you know, like when you're looking for a portfolio, like for graphics, you look at their work. If you want to find a teacher, look at their students, see if you like the way they perform. So uh, his students were like amazing, winning awards and on Broadway shows and blah, blah, blah. And he was like an hour away from me. So I started going to him. He's like, you sound terrible. I don't know what technique you have. It's awful. It was like whatever I picked up through uh, this franchise that I took over, they had their own voice curriculum, which I followed and whatever in a nutshell. So I like undoed a lot of the, the, the voice technique I picked up. And like after two years, he's like, you know, Debbie, you really could become an international classical star. I'm like, haha, so funny. Like, cute joke. And like, he said it enough that it, it made me like think about it. And I like tested the waters and put out a single. It did very well. And then I ended up putting out an album and I started getting into performing that way. But, and my husband was totally supporting me. And uh, it just, everything shifted because of one teacher who believed in me. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. If, if you could, you know, go back and tell your childhood self um, something, give your childhood self a piece of advice, what, what would you, what would you tell her? That everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to turn out just fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Simple and just very true. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? Um, You could Google me. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So yeah. And also Instagram. My My name will come up. My Instagram, YouTube, my web, my website. You'll find me. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, Dora, this was so fun having you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, anytime. Thank you. This was so much fun. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K. And on our website, CarmelaCosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard. 